Rolling Dice and Taking Names podcast is sponsored by The Broken Token, creator of high-quality gaming accessories and storage solutions. Visit them online at thebrokentoken.com. Welcome to Rolling Dice and Taking Names. RDTN is a show with two longtime friends that talk about board games, card games, and anything else that grabs their attention. Squirrel! Here are your hosts, the Waldorf and Statler of board gaming podcasts, Marty and Tony. Hello and welcome to Rolling Dice and Taking Names. I'm Marty. And I'm Tony. And I don't know why I'm using my radio NPR voice, but there it is. This is episode 65. We are still a proud member of the Dice Tower Network, and this is called A Most Peculiar Man. Now, Tony, I'm not sure our guest would appreciate being called peculiar. Well, he needs to get over it because, well, I was the title I picked a while ago. I thought it would fit. And I also, you know, I've looked up for Polish polkas, but... You know, in Poland, they really don't do polkas very much. So it was kind of confusing out there on the Internet when I was trying to figure out what's a famous polka song. But I went, let's just stay with the Simon and Garfunkel. Great song there. Yeah, well, I mean, you could have looked up, looked up a weird Al Yankovic song. He likes to still do the polkas. Uh, that's true. I could have done that. I, you know, ooh, I need to make note of that. A weird Al song in the future. But we'll put that on there. Too bad we already picked our themes for Chaz. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, if anybody couldn't have guessed, our guest on this episode is going to be Ignacy Trevichek, or Trevichek, which we'll have to get that all worked out when he comes on. But yeah, so well, I think we need to cut there. We do have a big time span difference here between the two um, in Poland versus Southern United States. But I will say this: you talk about if you've ever listened to his podcast where he's got. Bonacore on with him and that got that northern accent you're in for a real treat now let me tell you that's exactly right and the fact that uh, we did get our time differences messed up so he's actually been sitting on our green room for about four hours and he's like ate our entire supply of moon pies i guess we probably need to get over there to him because i think he's getting a little antsy uh, well then let's get over there well we are being joined by the man himself, the man who I would love to spend any time at at a beach just because it would make me feel better. Ignacy Chevichek. Chevichek. To Chevichek. To Chevichek. Chevichek. There it is. So, guy, Ignacy, thank you so much for coming down south here and joining us on Rolling Dice and Taking Names. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Now, for those who don't know, and I'm sure most of you do know, Ignacy is a game designer and a publisher with his uh, company, Portal Games, who is out of Poland. That's true. And Tony is already kicking back in his chair, drinking a drink, and just leaving me hanging over here. He's, he, he pronounced my name, so he's tired. I, I can I can understand it. worn out. <laughs> I'm spent. I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I was waiting here was in Poland. That is true. And then that, that was done. I was like, okay. Besides, every time Anasi says yes, everybody needs to take a drink. Okay. <laughs> That's true. I will try to keep my yes low today. No, we. I, I was sitting there. I was like listening to your, your podcast. Uh, that was awesome. Um, your podcast with Bonacore. And, you know, it's just um, interesting how, like, Marty and I and our various idiosyncrasies that we do on our show and, you know, Everybody can make fun of us podcasters because, hey, that's, that's what they can do. And what is the name of that podcast, Tony? The The name of that podcast is, oh, you've put me on the spot, um, Board Gamers Inside. 
Is that correct? As, as correct as you pronouncing my name. So pretty close, but not enough. Oh, fail. Golly. Uh, it's a Board Games Insider. Board Games Insider. Board Games Insider. Yes, that's it. And I do it with uh, Stephen Bonacor from Stronghold Games. And we talk about the news, but we don't um, actually announce news, but we discuss them. So we pick one of two news that were happened during the past two weeks, and we discuss what's interesting in that from our perspective. Then we share some um, advices for young publishers uh, from our um, experience, and then we just chat about funny things that happened in our offices. And it is a wonderful, entertaining show. I mean, you're hearing two of the, the bigger names in the board game industry discuss the ins and out of the industry from design to, to publication and, and giving tips on everybody else getting into it. And... And they do a fantastic job of keeping it around 30 to 40 minutes, which most podcasts cannot do. That's true. That's true. Yes. Thank you. Yes. We can all say yes to that. So, yeah, I mean, you've got, it's mostly the three segments. It's the news and then it's answer a question at the BGG Guild for those of you who have not joined. Um, go out there and definitely join their guild. Uh, it's also, also join Rolling Dice and Taking Name if you haven't done that. Ignacy, are you a member of ours? No, I'm not, but I'm your listener. That's 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 enough, okay? Oh, that's fine. I'm in, I'm in. I'm a, I'm a, I'm your sus- subscriber on your iTunes, and but guild is too much for me. BGG is sometimes a little overwhelming for me too, so I understand that. And um, and then the the final segment, which is final scoring. Um, so, and I was sitting there trying to come up with names for your segments, and I got to them a little late. I was trying to figure out, you know, they call Bonacore the Podfather, so I was trying to come up with, you know. Uh, take advice from the Podfather, you know, something Godfather related. But I said, no, nah, that's good. Final scoring is a great, great segment. And so as we get into this, we're going to be talking about some uh, exciting uh, announcements and games that Portals will be coming out with. But first, I just want to get into uh, a little history. So Ignacy, just I, obviously you probably started out as a designer before you started Portal Games. Is that correct? I was a writer and I was writing uh, scenarios and articles about role-playing games. So I began as a writer, and I got my first salary was for writing stuff for a role-playing magazine. And I wrote a couple of articles and a couple of scenarios, and after I got paid, I uh, decided that I think I can write, and people like to read what I write. And I moved on, and I founded Portal Games, which at the beginning was a company that was publishing magazine about role-playing games. So I was still mainly writing or editing uh, other writers stuff where did you get the name portal from from nowhere uh, <laughs> it was it was it was a long long time ago it was before um there, before internet actually it was it was 1998 and uh, portal was just uh, like a star, stargate yes like um, some item that can um, leads you to different worlds which work very well for the role-playing games because they let you um, live in a different uh, universe right so portal made sense at that time when you were writing these role-playing scenarios was it just dungeons and dragons who'd you write for pathfinder savage worlds who, who was your main audience no at, at, at this at this point in poland the, the most important and popular uh, role-playing game was warhammer warhammer role-playing game and i was uh, pretty famous at this time uh, writing stuff for warhammer here in poland I was writing very dark, very moody uh, articles about writing, uh, running a very dark fantasy sessions. 
What what was your favorite character to play? I am quite opposite. I, I love dwarves, and I was always playing dwarves and uh, troll slayers and that stuff. So I'm a dwarf. You're a dwarf. Okay. No, but you're a, he's very tall. People actually very tall. He's he's as tall as I am. Taller than Marty. <laughs> hey, and he actually mentioned that you know this was before the internet. So for for those youngins out there, there was actually a time when the internet did not exist. So I, you may not realize that. I have in my office a huge box with some archives from th- this time, right? And I have their actual letters that were sent to us from the, our readers in the envelopes written by hand or from the printer. So yeah, this is the time before email. Wow. And the first year of uh, Portal Portal Games, it was 1999, so I was I didn't have internet connection yet. So I was visiting my friend who had uh, internet connection once a week, and once a week I was checking email. Maybe somebody sent us email. So this is the time. <laughs> That's awesome. So from so you you started uh, that company. You were still writing articles. When did it actually progress into making a game or publishing somebody else's game? We published a few small role-playing games, and we were quite successful because, a, as, as, as I mentioned, these are old, old times, and yet we man- managed to publish one of our games in English. It was called De Profundis. It was a game by Michael Orach, who later on created Neuroshima Hex. We published one game in Spanish, Fra- Frankenstein Factory. So we were quite successful in this role-playing um, market. Uh, we published a couple of more role-playing games, bigger ones, and at some point, quite by accident again, I designed uh, my first board game. It was a party game. And it was very funny, and uh, it sold out in a couple of weeks. And I thought, okay, this is interesting. <laughs> Maybe it can bring me more money, and I designed another game. And uh, in a couple of years later, I moved uh, from role-playing games to board games, because board games... First of all, we're selling better, and second of all, you can much easier translate them into English and sell outside of Poland. Translating 500 pages book is uh, quite expensive. Uh, translating on a rule book with eight pages is easy to do. When was this first game published again? I think uh, our first very small role-playing game was published in 2001 or 2000. Mm, so these old old times, and uh, slowly we started to change into the company that makes board games. So you've been doing this pretty well a uh, long time. Did you expect it to be like it where it is now? I mean, what have you seen changed over the years? We talk about it often. So w- what have you seen? I uh, I think about it once once a while, and basically each year I am so surprised how did. I during the year and how many things changed and uh, from my perspective at the very beginning I was just a young student who didn't want to be engineer and who dropped college and decided to risk sorry okay. <laughs> uh, dropped <laughs> Tony has a big frown on his face because uh, Tony and I are both engineers so. I dropped I dropped college because I felt I felt that I am a very poor engineer material and um, I started a company, and my dream was just to write about role-playing games and make for a living. A few years later, it turns out that I can write my very own role-playing games, and then I, it turned out I can design a board game, and then it turned out I can design a board game that will be released for SN, and then it turned out I can design a board game that can have some awards, etc., etc. So every year or every two years... I surprised myself, so which is a gr- great adventure for me. So tell us a little bit about the party game. I'm I'm intrigued. You know, love those party games. 
And can you still can you still find a copy? You 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 can. Oh, here comes some pictures, everybody. Hey, wait, wait a minute. Yeah, yeah. Oh, this will be Marty. This will be good because I'll be able to try to pronounce this one too. Nobody, no, nobody will will feel it. This was a box that looks like uh, not a box of a board game. Oh, yeah. Check it out. Uh, our 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 listeners don't uh, don't see it, but you guys see it. It is a square. How is it in English? What's the word? <laughs> Machina. Yes, the game is called Machina. And uh, it was a party game. It was a joke from the times of communism. Uh, and the game players uh, play role of uh, engineers in a communism time. They have no money. They have no parts. They have no resources. But they are ordered from the government to create a break-taking machine that will uh, put the, the the laboratory as a most famous laboratory in the in the country. So, because they have no money, they have no resources, they steal from each other, they make all these nasty tricks, and this is a game in the style of Munchkin, I would say. Um, so, it was very funny and very popular in, in these days in Poland. As I said, I, I sold um, all copies I had very quickly, and then I made the second edition, and then it turned out that I will be not a role-playing game writer, but I will be a board game designer. So, Tony, an engineer that uh, doesn't make a lot of money. Well, no, he doesn't make. He doesn't have any. Sounds like the engineers at NASA, you know, the, the space people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or, or the engineers who are into board gaming that keep throwing money towards Kickstarter and whatnot. Uh, that is neat. I mean, I'm going through your game library and everything else. I was like, oh, really? So there's that. And then there's – so how many games have you designed? I mean, the list is long. This is this is a very difficult question because I am quite often asked about that. And actually, I don't know. I have to once in my life count this and have this answer ready because I don't know. But uh, it's not that much. Uh, I've, I don't know, 10 or something like that. But actually, my second game, the Zombiaki, which is a two-player uh, filler, a very quick game, it's uh, still in print and it's still very popular in Poland. And it was 2003 or 2004. So it is an 11-year-old game which is still in print and still very popular and still we sell about two or one or two thousand copies per year. Wow. Every year. Why has that not been translated and sent, you know, into English speaking countries? I promise that I will let you guys be free from another zombie game and <laughs> don't put another zombie game in America because this is crazy. So this is my gift from all America gamers. No more zombie game from me. Could it be rethemed into something else? No, no, it's very thematic and it's really, really it's a really good zombie game. But as I said, there's so many zombie games on Kickstarter that I give up. I don't go there. Uh, it makes sense. It makes sense. So was that the game to where it's like that was your first big critically acclaimed game? Or was there another later that uh, that you did that was like, wow, this is it. We've made it. Yeah, the, the funny thing is that uh, uh, international audience know me as a designer of Stronghold. It was my first um, big release for the SN in 2009. And this is a huge box and a huge game with uh, many rules and really strategy game. Actually, before Stronghold, in Poland, I was only releasing uh, party games, fillers and such stuff. So when uh, we as the Portal Games made announcement that the Ignacy Trzewiczek is putting on the market a huge strategy game, everybody, literally everybody was thinking that it's uh, some joke or something like that because nobody was believing that this funny guy whom they know from the conventions who always makes jokes and plays party games for the whole convention is putting a huge strategy game. And uh, actually when uh, we had this convention when I announced that I would present the uh, 
the game. There were so many people that I have still photos, whole room waiting for me to say it is a joke or I actually really have a strategy game. And then they were uh, playtesting this. And so this is a huge surprise here in Poland because worldwide, okay, this is some new guy, Gansuchevicek, you didn't know about my path designs. Yes, so, okay, this is a new guy who brings a strategy game. In Poland, it was this this funny Ignacy who makes party games, and now he makes strategy game. What's going and on? And now the joke's on them, isn't it? And 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 few years later, I made uh, once again everybody very surprised because I made Preta Porta, which is a heavy economy euro, which makes no sense for the guy who makes uh, party <laughs> games like this. And once again, everybody was so surprised. What's going on? And actually, there's a funny story because. Uh, Every Monday I play football, uh, soccer for you guys, uh, with my friends. Uh, every Monday I play football. And one of my friends who play with me is also a board gamer. And uh, he, right to my eyes, right to my face, said that he doesn't believe that I created Pret-a-Porte. And he's absolutely sure that I <laughs> bought this game from somebody. And I'm only name on the, on the, on the cover and I paid someone to do this. And he's my friend, he's played with me every week, he knows me very well, and he said to me very honestly that he doesn't believe that it's my design. So this is my re- my reputation in Poland is quite strange. Okay, I'm dumbfounded with that. Of course you did. I mean, come on, man. I can't believe that. So more importantly, what position do you play in soccer? I play, I try to play midfield, like um, the guy who makes the assist. Yes, so the last, the last pass. See, over here, you could have told us any position, Marty, and I would have gone, yeah, exactly. We, Oh, we, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, it's, it's getting over here, just like your games are coming over. I mean, slowly but surely. What, what's the difference, though, between the uh, the European community versus the American community as far as board gaming? I, we always talk about Ameritrash and Euro games. So is it, it – do you have to put on two different hats when you're designing games, thinking about how it will sell differently? Yes, there are differences, and it is not actually different between uh, Europe and um, America, but even in particular countries in um, in Europe. Uh, in 2013, I believe, we had two prototypes. Of uh, One was a game Legacy. It was about building a um, family tree. And the other game was sci-fi game Tizius, about sti- space station. Mm-hmm. And I presented these prototypes at Nuremberg Fair for our partners in Germany and in France. And I had exactly opposite answers. The Germans were interested in the legacy game. The French guy was interested in the sci-fi game. So uh, each market is a little bit different. Uh, I just yesterday came from the Germany when, where I was meeting my f- partners Pegasus Spiele and was presenting them our prototypes. And we have a great sci-fi game for the next year. And we played together. We had a great time. And uh, they said, but this is sci-fi game. It will be really hard to promote it in, in Germany. For some reason, sci-fi doesn't work for Germany. Yes? So each country has a little bit different um, background because of the culture of this country. And uh, when I try to publish a game and then make it to different markets, sometimes it is hard to reach each market because each country is a little bit different. You talked about uh, going through that and whatnot, and you mentioned uh, Predator earlier, and you had said that you were thinking about retheming that game uh, for the future. Is that still something you have in mind? Is to retheme it? Yes, yes. Uh, it will be um, the mechanics will be the same, but players will be owners of the company that works in the video game industry, so they will be producing uh, video games. I'm uh, already contacting some of my friends from this industry to help me. Mm, retheme the game and maybe find some partners to 
put some cool logos, such stuff uh, on the cards. So we will see how it, how it develops, but for sure I will re-team the game because the fashion team was the, one of the stupidest teams in the world. Uh, I don't know. I know. I, I know. I have my sales, okay? I know how many games I printed and how long I had to s- sell them, so I, I'm pretty sure. I know, I know my invoices. Oh, okay, all right. So I'll, <laughs> I'll leave that to you. But I do say uh, coming out with a video game industry theme, is I think it's a great idea to take... Uh, a lot of people compare the video game industry to the board game industry. Still, to take a board game based on the video game industry, I think it's a, a, a stroke of genius right there. We've no doubt it will work better. I'm sure. <laughs> so, aren't, are you tired of traveling? I mean, every time we we listen to the podcast or something, you are constantly on the move, man. I mean, isn't it time to stay home for a while? Uh, the, this is a common knowledge that I hate travels. So basically. Every time I have to go to a convention, it is a pain for me. Then, when I'm at convention, I'm in a heaven. I love playing ga- with games and playing with players and talk with them. So this is an amazing time. And then I have to go home. So it's a, once again pain. And then when I'm home, I feel relief. And then I have to pack and go uh, go again. Uh, this is a very mm, busy period right now because actually I was uh, in Norway. I was in um, uh, Germany. I was... Uh, Somewhere with I don't know even um, it's too much too too much, uh, but I have now two weeks of a break so for two weeks I stay at home, and then once again I have to go. Yeah, and I guess that's that's what I'm trying to get to the point. These people don't realize, or these people, I, me included, don't realize how much you have to get out there and get in front of people to get your games to the public. It's not as simple as oh let's just throw it on some thing called Kickstarter and suddenly she happens. It's that's not really how. It, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that goes behind this. To run a successful company, there is a lot of work involved. Yes, basically, uh, you guys uh, uh, see on Twitter or on, on other different um, mediums that, that I'm basically online twenty four seven. But this is my passion. Uh, I love it. Yes, so basically, I'm having fun for the most of the time. Yeah. What's uh, unique about you is the fact that you're you're wearing two hats. You have a designer hat that you put on to where you're you're play testing and trying out games and new mechanics, and then you have to take that off and put on your your portal publishing or CEO hat, which you, then you got to switch minds in your mode and go to the business side and, you know, and, and the ledger and making sure everything works out, you know, monetarily and, and running just a successful business. So very few people do that and do it successfully. So, you know, kudos to you. Thank you, sir. But I, I do prefer the designer hat. I, I can understand that. That's probably where the most, most that's the, if you're a creative mind, that's where you're going to get to do your creative part. And then you just got to make sure the books bounce on the other side. Yeah, but basically because Portal Games is really growing past years and, and we are really successful in time right now, I was able to hire the new people in the company so I can put some of this boring work, let's say yes, to other people who, who make sales, yes, who make some invoicing, who make some paperwork. So the less of these papers on my head, the more time for designing. So it's, it's good for me and good for the company. Yeah, and you've got some. Uh, you've picked up some incredible games that you are publishing under the um, Portal 
uh, name over in in Europe, like Resistance, Tony's favorite game mm-hmm. uh, that you're, you're <laughs> uh, that you're selling. So you you've picked up a lot of these other games that are extremely popular, and even though you didn't design them, you're you're publishing them through uh, Mysterium. I know it's not called that there, but you're publishing that through Capone yep. there, which has been very successful. So that's what I love seeing about your company. It's like not just an outlet for your games that you can design and put out, but you're also uh, getting the rights to other games to sell throughout the uh, the continent. This is uh, one of the reasons why I started a recording vlog to present uh, our international audience that Portal Games is not only a company that puts one, two or three games per year in English, but we also put one or two games per month in Poland here. And so we have two Facebook pages, we have two um, websites, we have two Twitter accounts. Uh, it's crazy, yes? Uh, two months ago, I hired a new person who is managing uh, all our Polish media because I was getting schizophrenic with managing different news for Polish website, different news for English website and such stuff. So now I'm covering only English media and this new guy is covering Polish because it was too much. And uh, just right now we are releasing, uh, this week we are releasing Pixel Tactics 2, very good game from Level 99 Games. Mm, and we are starting to work on the first expansion for Among the Stars and uh, many, many other things. So yes, there is lots of happening um, in Poland and that's why one of the reasons why I run a vlog so our fans can see what's happening here in Poland. Wait, wait I'm sorry, I'm, I keyed in. Among the Stars, not another expansion or just one of the two expansions? The f- yes, the first expansion, the Ambassadors. Last, last year we released uh, Among the Stars and now we are releasing the first expansion, Ambassadors. Ambassadors, okay. Now, usually if you are, if you are a big, big fan, you can wait for Rivals, yes? The, the new expansion. It will be released soon, I think. What? What? I'm, rivals? 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 I, no? No? Uh, what? Rivals? Marty, you know about this? I'm, I'm lost. I'm, I haven't read this. Where did you? I saw, I saw, I saw on uh, Rados, I think. Rados Reviews. Uh, yes, I will go out to his channel. I'm, I'm behind on my, my Rado reviews. So I'm still trying to re- read the one where they did a Kickstarter called New Dawn. I'm still got to get that one to the table and trick Marty into playing that. So yeah, you've got all these games. You got a, you're dealing with Poland. You got two websites. And I guess before we get over to the real meat of the discussion here, Marty, something that interests other people besides you and I, I can't imagine just sitting, you sitting there saying, okay, I've got, let's just pick an America conference. Oh, Gen Con, you've got to get all the logistics of shipping stuff over here. That just, that just boggles my mind, Ignacy. I just, I can't imagine what it, what that takes, you know, and, and Lord heaven help, there's a strike at a port somewhere. Wait a minute, you talking about shipping for Gen Con or just shipping to the just US shipping in general? Shipping to Gen Con, just getting his product here. You know, he he brought um, Mysterium to BGG Con and he had these pallets of stuff. He didn't have to ship anything back, obviously, because that was brilliant. But just just how he has to get all that put together. I mean, that is that was the most terrifying uh, few weeks uh, before Gen Con I had in a couple of years. And uh, the scheduling and timetable time for Operation GenCon last year was super detailed, super prepared. And for every week point, I had uh, 7 to 10 days of mergain. So first, the manufacturer does the game for this time. Let's assume that they will screw up for 10 days. Then we ship to the States. Let's assume that there are some problems in the port for 10 days. Then it goes to the customs. Let's assume they have a one week of some problems because of some paperwork. Then it goes to our distributor. Let's say somebody is sick and is not at work for seven days. 
and then from the distributor it goes to the GenCon and let's assume there is a few days of delay with because of something. So, and uh, it was uh, right because there were some problems, but uh, of course impersonators made it to the uh, GenCon. But yes, if you if you miss GenCon and if you have these pallets of games two days after GenCon, it is not enough. So, it's good to have them before GenCon. Uh, and yes, it is a lot of logistic, and now I have a dedicated employee who, whose job is to bring these games for GenCons. We will see if he should succeed this year. But it is a lot of stress because, as, as I said, if you miss the de- if you miss the date, and if you have these games delivered a couple of days after GenCon, it's too late for the party, right? That's not. I couldn't think of the pressure of saying uh, coming to you saying uh, we're going to miss getting the games to GenCon. My bad. Uh, mm, ooh. Have you started looking, I know, with your daughter, have you started thinking about children's games? Have you put any of those to design yet? I have I have one ch- children's game uh, in one of the Polish um, publishers. I sent prototype to other publisher because um, I don't think that Portal game is ready to publish a children's game. I mean, we are very strong uh, at the gamers' games market, and we have a uh, good promotion and marketing for this type of games. Promoting a children game and it's a uh, different resources, yes, and different media. So we are not ready. So my first game for children is uh, sent to different publisher, and I wait for the feedback. Actually, so I hope they will like the game. Do you have a name for this game, or should we just not? We'll just move on. It is. It is. It is called uh, Lands of Shadow, and it's a cooperative game for children. They try to deliver some magical potion to um, protect the land, the kingdom. And during the game, there is a token put on the board that represents shadow. And turn after turn after turn, there is less tracks and paths kids can go because the shadow is covering them. So the kids feel really pressure and, uh, and they start to be terrified that there will be no paths to go. So this is a pretty fun is game. Is there a rainbow card in it? <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> Sorry, guys. For those of you who don't know, go back and check Ignacy's <laughs> blog in January, and you'll understand what I'm talking about. It will be an inside joke for a very long time. Yeah, that was, that was fun. Now, okay, now you got to tell the story. So uh, uh, we have been picking on Ignacy and about. Well, Tony uh, was about uh, Robinson Crusoe. Picking Fantastic. On him. I was simply stating why the game won't come to the table with Honey Bunny, and that you sold it. Yes. Oh, yes, I'm I did, out but one. I'm working on getting it back. But why why have a game that sits there and gathers dust? Your your work of pure perfection needs to be shared among the masses. <laughs> so why hold on to okay. it and let someone else enjoy the pure splendor of Robinson? I didn't see that from this angle, yeah. From this angle, you are right, yeah. Okay. So for those who, who are just now catching up, so uh, uh, Tony, as he said in a previous episode, talked about how tough it was to get Robinson Crusoe at the table because Robinson Crusoe is a tough co-op game, as every co-op Incredible. game should be. Incredible. And Tony just made the reference that it'd be nice for one of the event cards just to flip over a card say, and it says, it's just a nice sunny day at the beach. Nothing happens. So Ignacy saw that or heard that and actually created us a card called, you know, nice sunny day at the beach where just enjoy your day at the beach. And it was just hilarious. If you don't do the event at the bottom, which was get the game back, <clears throat> excuse me, then, then something bad's going to happen to you. I could just see Ignacy, you know, beating me down with throwing, pelting me with, I don't know, tomato meeples or something at BGG con or something. For six, six months, I was practicing Aikido. <laughs> We've not good results, but this is in my resume, right? 
Oh, uh, I'm, I am scared a little bit. I'm trying to get it back. I'm trying to, though I went, it was amazing. I went to a game store in Florida when I was visiting. We, the guy drops me and says, well, no one will play this game with me because it's so hard. And I said, well, you put it on the table, put Robinson on the table. And we won. He goes, this is the first time I ever won. And I said, well, that means you need to do the next scenario. And he says, you're absolutely right. So he was very excited by that. So I was like, you know, that's great. So just out of curiosity, a, a serious question on Robinson. So that is a game that is published by uh, Z-Man. Why did it go through Z-Man and not your own company? Uh, it was 2012 and Portal Games was too small yet uh, to do it by our own. So it was uh, our last game we licensed. And since 2013, we were strong enough to start our own distribution. distribution. In 2013, it was still um, small steps. And lots of traps and problems. In 2014, with a huge success of MPS setters, it was much easier because distributors were asking us for our game, not we were asking them. And uh, we opened many doors. And now in 2015, we feel pretty pretty strong that we will be able to put all our new games by ourselves. And we were at I was uh, with my employee at Gamma Trade Show in Vegas meeting with all major distributors in states and uh, the feedback for our company is very good and they recognize our brand. So I think we are at the right moment. That's perfect. And in fact, that's a fantastic segue into your next big game, which came out last year, Imperial Settlers, which is loved by many, um, including myself. And again, we were having a little fun with Ignacy because Tony and I and our old age or having a tough time seeing some of the size of the fonts because I would like, is that a one or is that a two? And so again, in one of Ignacy's blog, uh, vlog, he uh, actually got somebody sent him um, oversized, um, uh, like a meeple, uh, uh, the food or tomato and, and a wood token. And he said, this is for the guys that are rolling dice and taking names. Is this going to be big enough for you guys? And the answer is barely, barely big enough. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> And uh, the stuff was created by che- Chevy, Chevy oh, Dodd, Chevy our, Dodd. Uh, our guy in States. Yes. Yeah, that was hilarious. But anyway, uh, uh, kudos to that game because that is a game. Right now, that's one of those games that somebody says to me, anybody want to play Imperial Settlers? I'll raise my hand. It's just one of those that I can just play anytime and just have a ball playing with. Thank you. And the expansion's coming, right? It's in shipment to me now. I ordered it last week from an online uh, store, Cool Stuff, Inc., so Somebody I can't wait to get it. Somebody put a blockade because they got their hind end handed to them at the um, mockumentary, but that's okay. We understand, dude. <laughs> which was a, a fantastic part of that skit. I was laughing when you turned around and said, no, why can't we be friends to the States? Nope. They have it in Europe, but not in the States. That was hilarious. That was, that was a good, good way to make fun of the problems with distribution actually, right? Because uh, I wish I had this, why can't be friends earlier, but there was a delays in shipping. And finally, we had a good joke with the mockumentary, and then we have Why Can't We Friends finally instead. So, happy ending. It's fantastic. And after Imperial Settlers, just recently you made an announcement about another game that Portal's going to be publishing called uh, Tides of Time. You want to tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, this is a micro game. Uh, I'm a huge fan of micro games because, from uh, my perspective, designer perspective, it's super hard to create a game just out of 10, 12, or 16 cards. The game that is has replayability and keeps you engaged in, in the game. Now, actually, I was trying to make something like that and I failed. And uh, last year, I was approached by a, a young designer from Croatia who sent us prototype. I played this game and from the very beginning I said, okay, this is this is something interesting. 
we met at Essen. I convinced him that Portal Games is the right choice for him, and now I'm a proud publisher of a really, really very good micro game. This is a two-player game. This is a drafting game. Each player starts with five cards in his hand. Choose one card, exchange hand. Choose one card, exchange hand, and that way we have five cards in, in our table. So, as I said during the presentations of the game, this is a drafting game right into your face, because after the first exchange of cards, we all know everything. You know what cards I have in hand, you know what you have in hand, so we know everything, and I will go outsmart opponent, yes? To choose such cards that he is not expecting what you are doing, and you actually will outsmart him and get better cards in your table. And uh, the, these cards give you scoring for different symbols, so this is basically something like set collection, so, for example, if you have two towers, you get such points. If you have tower and castle and something, you get other points. And seeing what opponent is going for and what symbols is he trying to achieve, you can try to outsmart him, yes, and win. And the game is played in three rounds very quickly. And uh, I'm a really, really big fan of this game. This is not my design, so I can very honestly say that this is something I really have fun playing. I still play test the game because we have two cards that need some tweaking. Nah, but basically, after these few months of playtesting, I still like the game. So this is the biggest recommendation I can give. Okay, two-player drafting. That is very interesting that he was able to pull that off. Because normally, you know, you, you wouldn't think of that. That's wild. Yeah, this is really very smart design. That we, know, we both know what's going on, and still one of us will outsmart the opponent, right? Because we have perfect information what's in our hands, yes? Uh-huh. And one of us will win, yes? So one of us will do something unexpected and actually get the advantage of these points for his side yes very smart wow that's pretty that sounds like a good lunchtime game marty i i totally agree and i cannot wait to play at lunchtime and when would i be able to play it at lunchtime ignacy when's that supposed to be coming out this year yeah this is our first of our boxes for gen con we'll have three boxes for gen con this is the smallest one um 18 cards uh, plus some uh, tokens and such stuff in small box mm, uh, if our timeline will not fail, and if this distribution, shipping, uh, strikes, and everything will not collapse our plans, you will have a um, chance to play the Gen Con. Fantastic. And that's probably, as a micro game, it's probably going to be a lower-priced game, I would assume, too. Uh, we have set price for $12. I hope it's good. I don't know how it works for you gamers, but for us, this is a production cost that works for us, right? $12. All right, so so Tony, um, there's one game that that's one booth I'll need to rush to when the doors open at Gen Con because hot, inexpensive games from popular companies will go fast. So yeah, and hopefully when you do, I'll have my um, give you my money if I can't make it to Gen Con, so you can pick me up a copy as well. That, that's that's gonna be an expensive month. That's okay. I'm good with that. So, but uh, all right. So are there more plans? I mean. Whenever you talk cards, you talk expansion. Have you already started talking about expansions, additions, things like that? Four ties of four ties of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, we were mm, uh, talking to the designer if he can design a few more cards. So we have them for a promos or for the giveaways or for the small expansion. But he said that this mechanism is so precise that he would prefer not to mess with any promo cards that will just be good for marketing but will not be very good for his game and we decided that uh, he's probably right so we decided we'll not add any additional uh, cards that of course uh, we gamers love such goodies but 
let's keep this mechanism uh, balanced and uh, well calculated. The guy is a mathematician, he works at university and um, he is very precise in terms of mechanism of this game and scoring and everything. Yeah, because I mean, I can see that. That's one of the things, you, your biggest fear is you, you break the game when you ever add the expansion. As you well know, with Imperial Settlers in, in your expansion pack, I mean, are you breaking it somewhere else? Is something else that you haven't done? You know, how much testing went into the expansion? Basically, yeah, basically, I play all the time. I mean, there's um, every every week I play with uh, old cards, with new cards, with some ideas. So um, uh, it's ongoing process of playing uh, all over, over and over again. We can expect to see a brand new micro game from Portal coming out at Gen Con, a fun two player drafting game. But you said that was one of three boxes you were going to be going bringing to Gen Con. What about the other two? Yeah, no, other two, one of these is a new faction for Imperial Setters, and the third one is a, a new big game from uh, Portal Games. And, um, as we talked before recording, uh, I am happy to announce uh, here one of these boxes, so if you want to hear about new faction or if you want to hear about new game, I'm ready. <laughs> This is Editor Marty. After the interview was over, Ignacy requested that we remove the portion of the interview that had to do with the Mystery Fifth Faction of Imperial Settlers. He is not ready to divulge all the information he would like to for the Fifth Faction, and instead would like to do it at a future time. In the interview, you hear that time is going to be May 11th, so mark your calendars for May 11th to hear about the exciting new faction for Imperial Settlers that will be available at Gen Con. Now back to the show. And the thing that I can fully announce here, and I'm super super happy to do that, is our new game for Gen Con. And this game has a very crazy title, which is Rattle, Battle, Grab Some Loot. Grab the Loot, actually. Rattle, Battle, Grab the Loot. Rattle, Battle, Grab the Loot? Yes, and this is a game about pirates and about rattling dice, rolling them, battling, and basically having fun grabbing the loot. Okay, Marty, here's the second one you got to buy me because you know I love pirates. You know, I love those themes. I would say this is a family game for uh, geeks' families. I mean, this is not a fami- family game that you can play if you have no experience in gaming. But this is not a standard Euro game like Robinson Crusoe's Strongholds for, you know, just thinking and strategy playing. This is a fun game with uh, lots of fun elements and lots of uh, luck and such stuff, rolling dice. Uh, but there's a uh, lot of meat, as you, as you probably can say, in this game. In this game, you build a ship. Each player has a ship, and he can upgrade this ship with um, different elements. Um, he can have, for example, mass, so he can uh, sail uh, faster. He can have some cannons. He can have some hull to bring more goods from the from the adventures. And the game is um, divided into two parts. In uh, one part. You are going to the battles, trying to sing uh, merchants and fight Commander Norrington and basically having these battles that are promised on the cover. And we are doing that by rolling dice. And uh, there is a super unique mechanism uh, actually invented uh, by the guys who created Mysterium. Uh, you take all the dice from the old players. There's about 20 dice. For example, it may be 20 dice. You have them in your hand. You rattle them. 
and you then throw them into the box and they scatter into the box and depending on the symbols because we have a custom dice depending on some symbols numbers um, local localization in the box you resolve the battle yes and uh, your cannons should your sails can move your, your your die somewhere else and such things happen so there's a lot of randomness i would say <laughs> but because rolling 20 dice is a lot of, of random but there is a second phase of the game when after you grab this loot from these merchants, you go to the port, to the harbor, and you can spend it to upgrade your ship. And for uh, alcohol, if you have alcohol, you can hire pirates, which give you abilities. For the materials, like silk, you can upgrade your ship, having these masts, having these cannons and such stuff. If you have spices, you can go to the super talented craftsmen who can give you unique upgrades and in the game we have more than 20 unique upgrades so each player if one player gets for example uh, did that upgrade no one else will have it yes so these ships are different and different after each round mm, uh, and you can also go to the mm, pirate king and give him a uh, loot to get victory points so for the gamers it's uh, fun during this uh, Harbor, harbor phase, yes, because they have this some some loot and they have to strategically decide if I want to hire a new pirate with super skills, if I need a hull to bring more goods in the next round, if I need a cannon to kill merchants, if I just want to discard this loot to get victory points because this is the um, aim of the of the game. And then when they did this, let's say, quote quote markers um, euro mechanism, and then take twenty dice and they once again they have just fun, just throwing them into the box and having this rattle battle. And once again, grabbing the loot. So uh, we will see uh, how this game will will be um, seen by gamers. It's an easier design in comparison to Robinson or Stronghold. And but is that from my perspective? Of course, I'm designer, so I'm pretty not objective. Uh, but from my perspective, it's just a pure fun. Yes, having this ship and this ship, uh, we cannot show it to our listeners, but they will find it in on Board Game Gig on 27th of April some pictures these ships are actually big cardboard pieces that you can actually we're seeing the cardboard pieces here i'm showing to the camera so everybody is not seeing except tony and marty so we have some big 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 ship yes and you build a mast and it grows and then you build a hull and then you build a cannon and it's growing i don't know if you guys remember the very old game from the designer of small world it was called evil about the dinosaurs, if, if you played it. And it was a game that you have your dinosaur, and then you put put a, uh, uh, some um, fur on him and some other stuff, and he's growing like crazy. So this is growing, growing our ship, yes. We are putting uh, actual cardboard pieces on the ship, and it's uh, bigger and bigger, and with this uh, more than 20 unique, unique stuff. I'm having it right here. So, for example, one guy ha may have a big pile of uh, alcohol barrels, yes, the other guy may have a huge pile of super powder to shoot better, etc, etc. So, each player at the end of the game will have a completely different ship, with completely different skills, and besides the fact that he will be probably frustrated that it didn't work because he was just throwing dice and it didn't work for him, but basically he will have fun, he will have something, he build it, he can make a photo, post it on Instagram and having found that, look guys, this is my ship, I built it, I love it, and I lost. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. I, I can see that. 
so what he was uh, uh, showing us is, is imagine this, you're going to actually be physically building this uh, cardboard ship and you can assemble the pieces together. And over a course of time on your table, that ship's going to get bigger and bigger. Imagine like uh, castles of mad wing Ludwig, uh, you know, where you're building uh, your castle and stuff. And at the end you have this nice castle that you built. Well, imagine doing this with the pirate ship. The art looks great. It looks like a, uh, yeah, the, the, he's showing us some more stuff. The art looks very uh, cartoony, uh, the idea of building your ship on the table. Uh, yeah, that's a buy for me, Tony. Oh, well, good. And then I don't have to, and I can just borrow yours. Okay, I'm liking this. Well, to- Ignacy doesn't like that. He wants two copies sold. I have four kids, sir. I have to feed them. And I have three dogs. <laughs> three dogs. <laughs> okay, fine. Another one. No, I mean, the dice. One of the big things for me is, you know, good heavyweight dice, um, that kind of stuff, unique designs on the dice. It's pretty. Ooh, look. Ooh, ooh. There's a pretty yeah. dice. Yeah. So we have oh, look, uh, Marty, and I can actually visually see the numbers on them. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. <laughs> no, I'm, I, that is a shot at me, sir, not at you. Yes, look at that. All yeah. That so, awesome. so we have two types. We have two types of dice. The, the transport dice will be dedicated to non-player ships, and uh, the other one. How do you call them? Not tra- non-transparent. Translucent, transparent, yeah. yes. Uh, the other ones are for players. So when you roll all these 20 dice and you throw them into the box, it is so super simple to just, you know, see, okay, this is transport dice, so this is a ship from the non-player ship. Yeah, this is my die because it's my color. So there's lots of fun, yes. Each player has his very own color of the dice, and then we have these 20 dice in the box scattering, and if you have a... I will not describe all mechanics, yes, but basically it's a lots of fun. But if you're a Euro, Euro gamer, you have to have this um, expectation there will be crazy things happening yes, in, the, in this box. And you will try to manage this luck with upgrading your ship in the way to manage this luck, right? Okay, that's, that's how you manipulate the dice, through the upgrades of your ship. Okay. Yeah. Is the idea that you would just use the lid of the box, that's what you're throwing it into? Yes, absolutely. There will be insert representing the ocean, and there will be some islands and such stuff. So, uh, so far, when I'm presenting this to so far to close groups yes but still uh, the moment when there is four players standing at the box and there's one of them having these 20 dice throwing them in the box and everybody just looking at the, at the box is a super emotional moment and it is so fun and then players start to shoot and move and resolve the whole battle and then grab the loot because the loot you take from the back so you don't know what you will uh, bring yes from this from these merchants and then you go to the harbor, you sell the stuff, you get new crew, you get new upgrades, and once again, do- throw a dice, have fun. So it's not standard Ignacy Trzewiczek Euro-style game, but this is super fun pirate game, and I'm pretty excited about this release. How many people uh, can play the game, and how long does it take to play one game? We, ha- we have the game for two to five players, um, and uh, it takes an hour, maybe a little bit more. It's pretty, it's pretty fast. Uh, we have two scenarios in the, in, the, in the box. The scenario consists of a deck of cards, and in these cards you have uh, what, ca- what kind of adventures your pirates have. You can have one, the one scenario, the basic one that is introduced in the rulebook is a, a Commander Norrington, which, and this scenario tells a story that the players are pirates, and Norrington wants to hunt them, so they all try to attack merchants and escape from Norrington. And the other one is a war of pirates where all players compete with each other and shoot to each other and basically it's much more like in the Munchkin style so you can make nasty things to your fellow pirates. So there are two scenarios and 
I'm sorry, hopefully if the game is successful, I have two new in, uh, in sketches, right? So in, invented but not playtested, and we'll see how the game develops. But um, I believe it will be um, a lot of fun for, for a couple of months, years, we'll see. Because there's a lot of me to to, to dwell into and 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 use. I, I really like that uh, uh, concept, uh, uh, Tony and Ignacy, of the idea of like there's this one phase. It's a a marrow trashy. I'm using air quotes, and that there's a lot of luck. There's a lot of dice rolls. But then the second phase is all right. How do I mitigate the luck of those dice rolls? Well, I do that when I'm in the arbor harbor by upgrading my ship and so the next time it goes out maybe those dice rolls that affected me negatively last time won't do it this time exactly this is the concept yeah so the main concept is that um, even if you're a hardcore gamer uh, you can pull up, pull out this game on the table with your family yes during the weekend and they will all have fun just throwing these dice yes because it's so fun just pure pure fun right mm-hmm. but you as a gamer will have this satisfaction and actually you made some combo with this sailor and this uh, piece of equipment and you actually won and everybody had fun but you made some combos and you actually made some very good um, um, combination of few elements i mean who doesn't like rolling dice and especially the idea of rolling a big um, chunk of oh. dice. I mean, uh, t- t- Tony, I mean, you and I have played the Shadowrun RPG, and one of the fun things about that game is rolling all those D6s. D6s, that's right. It's the same, con- same concept here. Uh, that's great. So is there has there been an MSRP established for the game yet? I, I think we will have it for $60, because there's a lot of components and really high quality. It's about 40 dice, custom dice, and lots of these cardboard, cardboard pieces. Uh, but it's a little bit too early because I'm I'm waiting for the few last um, um, invoices, let's say yes. Mm, uh, so we'll 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 see in a couple of weeks. But uh, we are we aim at sixty dollars. And um, so is Gen Con the first time we're going to see it, or will there be previews maybe at Origins or other conventions that you'll be at in Europe? If my schedule will not fail, uh, you will see the game uh, one copy of the game uh, at Origins. And uh, Chevy is going there and will do some presentation, presentations. Uh, but other thing is, at this moment, everything is in the hands of um, deliv- delivery companies to make okay. it. All right, um, Chevy, if you're if you're listening to this, I will be contacting you and setting up a time to go try. Yeah, this you game better out. tweet him up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so so okay, everybody. So there's there's another reason to run over to the uh, portal booth at uh, Gen Con for Rattle Battle. Grab the loot. So you got to get that, and you got to get uh, Tides of Time, and and the new faction that we don't know yet, but will be coming one. out from will be coming. When will you announce it? When do you think you'll be able to say, okay, here it is, the mystery faction? Um, I tell you quite precise. And on twenty seventh of April, I will announce the Rattle Battle officially. So you have one week of exclusivity. And uh, according to new faction, I will announce it on eleventh of May. Eleventh of May. So right before Origins, a couple of weeks before Origins. Awesome. I cannot wait. So I assume the faction also includes the new uh, cardboard. Uh, yes, players. Players. Yeah. And, and, and any new tokens that are needed. All right. So what, when are you going to announce the release of the next step in Robinson? Beagle's gone out, which was hard to get over here. When's, when's the next um, book for Robinson, the next volume? It will be probably 2016. Oh, come on, dude. What are you doing? You're killing people here. Come on, 2015. You're not busy enough. you got four kids to feed. Let's go. <laughs> oh, you should see the look I'm getting from him right now, people. It's not pretty. <laughs> That's an evil eye. Uh, 
2016. Okay, 2016. Okay. I understand. 2016, and then pr- probably the okay. Rattle battles got me psyched right there, and then the next thing, stronghold, stronghold. Yeah, baby, bring it on. Stronghold second edition. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know, do you, can can you tell us anything about how you streamlined any of the the games from the previous version or not? Has Stephen got you on a um, media uh, quiet thing here? No, no, I can I can I can talk about this game. It's basically you take um, a rulebook of Stronghold First Edition, you read every every sentence, and you can imagine that each of these sentences is now better. <laughs> uh, I removed all exceptions, all small rules, all details that were just messing with players and didn't add any value to the game. Lots to talk, and uh, guys who know Stronghold would would appreciate this monologue right now, but I don't want to bore anybody who doesn't know the game. But basically. There is no single exception in the rule. If uh, there is a rule that archers shoot, it means they shoot. Okay. That's it, yes. If there is a rule that casualties go to the hospital, it means that casualties go to hospital. All of them, not only those from hand-to-hand or only those from shooting. So, basically, every exception was removed. The game is faster. The invader forces start on the board already. So, the game, um, the engagement on the walls is much faster. Mm-hmm. There is no very complicated system of glory points that was in the first edition now it's a very straightforward the invader has to invade the castle in seven rounds either he makes it either he's failed so everything is um, just better i mean uh, stronghold was a very good game i'm very proud of this design but after these five years i really really see a lot of mistakes i did uh, previously and uh, i was able to polish them so basically this is the same game but everything is just faster, smoother, and with no small details. So it does play in a quicker time? It plays much quicker. Now in Modena, two weeks ago, yes, I was two, two weeks ago in Modena in Italy, and I was running demo game, and uh, it took us uh, two hours to not only play, but me explaining the rules. So this, let's say it's about 15 minutes, 20 minutes of playing, yes, and there were two beginner players, and they made it in two hours. So I think it is a very good result. For first, 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 first game with explanation of the rules to two hours. I assume some nice components will be in the game too. Yeah, of course we improve. We improve uh, artwork. The box will be like ticket to ride box. Uh, the square one, which is uh, best for the gamers. And the better um, icons. The illustration on cards are all new. The cover illustration is new. So of course, uh, there's a new addition in terms of uh, production value. Of course. I mean, the the cover the on the original was incredible. The the, co- the box cover. That was an incredible cover. That's, that was gorgeous. So that's pretty interesting, too. So that's going to be at Essen, correct? That's going to be at Essen. It is after, after Gen Con release. And um, it's basically, it's ready, but uh, I cannot put too many boxes for Gen Con. So we have to postpone it for Essen. Sure. So uh, Tony and I will be playing it for the first time with you at BGG Con. That's the plan. So we need we need a fourth person. So if anybody wants to play with us, we need. Now a fourth. it's now it's two player game. So we only two of you. I, I explain the rules. You play. Oh, you don't want to do two ver- two versus two? Can Tony and I find two other people and do a two versus two game? No, it's impossible in second edition. In second edition, you play only one against one. Oh, oh! I thought it was still a two versus two option. Okay, yeah, that was a very interesting variant which I loved. In Poland, we ran uh, demo games only for four players. And yet, basically nobody was using it, so I removed it because it was uh, just another two pages of rulebook that actually no one is reading. So perhaps it will be uh, posted as a free variant on BGG, con, or BG, BG website, yes, but 
to make it uh, simpler and uh, easier. It was official. It is only a two-player game. All right. So now it's either you against me, or we can watch Vanessa tear your castle down. <clears throat> and I can, of course, <laughs> yeah. and she'll be there. So that, that's pretty sweet. What else? 2015. I mean, come on. What else you got going on? Oh my gosh, dude! Is not enough. No, no. We are working. We are working on a, another another game. Uh, but there is a small problem because um, progress is not fast enough from my perspective. So I will know more at the end of the month. If at the end of the month, at the, at, at the end of April, the game is still have some issues with the gameplay, we will have to delay it and move it to the 2016. But so far, my testers and uh, my developer is trying to make it for, for us. And this is a heavy Euro game something like for guys who like Panamax or Kanbal. So we are running a company in the IT business, uh, but there is, because it's a heavy euro, there's a lot of testing, a uh, lot of polishing the gameplay. At, at this point, I am not satisfied yet, so um, I made this decision that we have two weeks for this final, final, final play testing, and either the game is postponed, yes, even it, it may go to the production. So I will know more in a couple of weeks. Wow, busy year for Portal Games to say, you know, at the minimum here, Marty. Wow. It, it is. It's, it's exciting. I, I mean, I'm excited, and I have nothing to do with Portal except just play their games, so I know you're extremely excited, Ignacy, about what's going on. For me, it's an amazing ride. I mean, if, as I said, I hired new people in the company because we are growing, and we have this. I have this feeling that this is our time. This is our moment, and I have to use it wisely, yes, and... Uh, I place playtests as crazy. My editors are working extremely hard to make the games look as beautiful as Imperial Setters because we had so much price for release of Imperial Setters that production value was so high. And we have to step up to this level again. Asmod is buying FFG, so so competition is very, very high. And I can expect that for Gen Con they will bring amazing games. And I have to stand fast, so I have to bring as good games as they. So... At our company, everybody has high motivation, but um, this is a beautiful time for us. This is a beautiful adventure, and I have to say that uh, I'm super excited to, for, for these releases. Um, did want to, before we um, get over to our beautiful game that we play here at Rolling Dice and Taking Names, I did want to say thank you for the on your recent podcast where you talked about doing demos. Guys, if you haven't listened to that, that was an incredible segment Ignacy did on helping you do demos. I, I took away a lot of it all from that, and I appreciate that. I mean, hey, Marty, I don't know if he says you lie. It was awesome. <laughs> yeah, Stephen was super surprised when I said that. <laughs> yeah, you need to lie. It'll only take you five minutes. And I and I and I, you know what's so funny is I do that when people ask me about games, Marty, when they won't you know talk to you about well, how long is it going to take you to play that game? Oh, it'll it'll only take you about five minutes to get into the game. We'll be done in less than an hour, <laughs> two hours later. So, but but no, it was good points about setup and and what what you do to train your crews and things like that. I'm sure with. Uh, with the rattle, say it for me more. Rattle battle, bun. rattle battle, grab the loot. That's why I wrote it down. A, prof- a professional would have written. We it cleaned down. the house yesterday, so I don't have my papers out. Um, so, but you know, I can I can imagine trying that. That one will be one that you can probably quickly get demo, get people playing right away. Here, come throw some dice, and oh, how do you want to? And then help them build their ship. I mean, this is conventional game. I mean, uh, as I already plan our booth for Gen Con and as I already plan how we will present the game I can see 
four people standing around the box throwing dice and 20 people trying to get what's going over there and trying to join the, 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 the fun. So yes, this is a game exactly for conventions. Yeah, because throwing tw- 20 dice in the box is going to generate a lot of noise. And people yes. are like, what are they doing over there? Yes, and everybody's just staring at the box and everybody else was going, what's going on there? Yes, so. Well, you'll also hear the cheering. The cheering of it, when, the, when the dice come up. Yeah, I got that one. Yeah, you know, it helps you right along. That's what dice generate, cheers. Yes, I strongly believe that it will be really very strong game at conventions. Hey, what else we got? Anything? For, B- for BGG Con, I will bring a, another small expansion for Imperial Cetros. There you go. Another small expansion. Do you have a really cute name for it? You're going to come up with a really cute one. To, it's going to be hard to top your last one. I have. And actually, after we are done with recording, or maybe in a couple of weeks, I will ask you for help with that because I have some funny joke uh, with this title. So, But we have to set, set up this joke. Okay, well, we'll do that. Well, before you go, as Tony mentioned, we have to do, as we do with every guest who come on the show, we're going to play a game of Rank'em. Okay, so have you heard about our game before, Ignacy? Do you understand how this game works? I did hear this game. I'm not sure if I understand it, but yes, I will do my best. Well, here. Well, if you listen to the last episode with Chaz, don't go by his rules because his rules were all messed up. It's pretty simple. Tony and I are going to give you a list of three things, and you're going to rank those in any order that you would like, and then you can tell us why you rank them in that way. Do you understand the rules to this game? Yes, I do, sir. So, since Tony is off in the corner looking at something else, I guess I shall begin. I'm pulling up my list, thank you very much. I wrote it down so I wouldn't forget. Holy cow, dude, you know. I was waiting for the way you explain things usually in a game usually takes you about 15, 20 minutes. So I figure I had time until to get through this. <laughs> well, I've, I've, I've now explained rank them about six times now. So I'm getting better. In fact, I'm, I'll need to create a little fact somewhere so I can just read off of it. Right, so, yeah. And the big key here, Ignacy, is tell us why. Don't just you know, uh, red uh, vanilla chocolate with strawberry. You know, just, you know, uh, you're a gamer. You know how this stuff works. So, Marty, go for it. Give, give, give him this first rank them. Here we go. This is going to be an easy one to start with. Romans, Egyptians, Japanese. I prefer Romans. And uh, they are very straightforward, uh, straightforward in play. But when they have this engine going, this is one person the thematic when you see that they are just building and building and building. And it's just crazy. And uh, on one hand, in maybe even in terms of um, gamer, he would like to have more choices, more things to do with Germans. But when they start building, they just don't thinking they're just building. And this is so super fun. When I play test the game, uh, when I play test Romans, I have really, really fun all time I play. And then I'm Egyptians or Japanese. Yes. Japanese, I love Japanese because of uh, samurais. And when I, I came up with this rule, I was so proud and so happy. And I always put these little dudes... Uh, in, on the cars, and uh, I really, I'm really, really proud of this very small rule. And uh, Egyptians have to go laugh because they are mean and nobody <laughs> likes them. <laughs> okay. Well, Marty, you didn't include my favorite class because I can't ever win with them, but that's okay. Who says I'm talking about factions of imperial that's settlers? True. That's true. That's true. So I, I would probably have to go with the Romans because I've been to. Europe and seeing their buildings incredible, and then we'll go with Japanese and 
gorgeous gardens, beautiful um, architecture, and their island operates on two frequencies, 50 and 60 hertz, and the Egyptians is nothing but desert and a bunch of triangles. Okay, that's what I got there. All right, so for me, it's going to have to be with what they did for history. So Romans came up with a lot of really cool stuff in history, you know, like uh, aqueducts and and, uh, whatever. And every time I say aqueducts, I immediately think of Monty Python, meaning of life. They gave us the aqueducts. (laughs) Well, yeah, there's that. Anyway, Um, so then after that, the uh, Egyptians, because they came up with a bunch of cool math stuff, and then uh, Japanese third for me. So there's my list. So for my first rank it is map, fire, and cure map goes first because it gives you free meeple which many people forget about this and is super important and uh, then i would go with a cure because it is so unappreciated by people um, forget that this cure will help them in so many uh, adventure cards and then the fire because you can build fire quite late into the game so just to build this bonfire um, but the map is the most important. I strongly recommend this. And uh, each time I go to any travel, like for example, last week to Germany, GPS, this is the best invention <laughs> on the planet. And I have no idea how people were traveling without GPS. So maps are very important. For me, it's just map. It just give me a way to get to where I need to be going. And in case I can't find out where I'm going, then probably fire is pretty important so I can stay warm. And then if that fails, I better have the cure for the frostbite that I may get. Okay, makes sense. Oh, I, maps is always going to be number one for me just for, you know, it does help you get to where you need to be and provide success towards the end game. And um, then, of course, fire, because you've got to stay warm on those cold nights when you're out there with Honey Bunny on the beach, you know, enjoying the sunset. And then a cure just because you're not always feeling your best. So, yeah, cures last for me. All right. So my second list. Here we go. Johan David Weiss, Jonathan Swift, Daniel Defoe. Daniel Defoe. Daniel Defoe, obviously, as Robinson Crusoe, is absolutely really, really my beloved novel from my childhood, and I read it many times. Who was there? John Swift, Jonathan Swift and... Jonathan Swift and Johann David Weiss, who wrote famously, his most famous book, Swiss Family Robinson. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, Swift Family Robinson I really, really liked, and there's one of the scenarios in the game, so he goes... On the second place, and then we have Jonathan Swift as a third place. Got it. But uh, there should be Vern, Julius Vern. Julius Vern. Julius Vern. This is, this is, this is, this is the author. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I'll give you that. What I was trying to do is pick three authors within like 100 years of each other. Okay. That's where that came from. So I'm going to have to go with Defoe from because um, he inspired so many great games and then and get and gilligan's island because of the, the you know like robinson crusoe as primitive as can be um and then um weiss swiss family just because it's a great thing to do at disney and then whoever the last one was dude i don't know who was the last one and jonathan swift yeah swift poor guy he's number three you <laughs> okay, actually, I'll probably go to Jonathan Swift first, only because I read a lot of his stuff, uh, Gulliver's Travels and etc. Then it would be Defoe, uh, Robinson Crusoe, because I think he created that story that's been used a lot of being stranded on a desert island and whatnot. And then after that, uh, 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 Johann David, David Weiss with uh, Swiss Family Robinson. There you go. All right. And then for my question here is Die Hard, Die Hard 2, Die Hard 
three, but yeah, with a vengeance. Die Hard with a vengeance. I think uh, Die Hard two, Die Hard one, and Die Hard three. However, this is, this is a tough choice actually. The, all of these three movies are super good. I love super, all of them, and so this one was the toughest one. Why, why did you pick two over one, just out of curiosity? Die Hard two is uh, in the skyscraper. This is this one. No, uh, one is in the skyscraper. Two is in the airport. Okay, so my bet. Uh, skyscraper, then the airport, and then the third one. The third one was the, the funniest one, but the two other are the classics. So, so one, two, three. And mine is going to be, uh, yeah, definitely one, two, three. I think one started off a new era of action films, and Alan Rickman has, as Hans Gruber was one of the best movie villains of all time. So definitely one, two, and three. But they're very close for me. For me, very close. Okay. And, and for me, it's one, three, and then two. Uh, I'm with you. Just every time I think of the water jug in the park in number three, where you're having to, you know, get to four gallons. I love, I love that scene. And I always love how my wife is there and she'll struggle with now how they do that again. You know, it's always a great little mental math, but yeah, one, three and two. And, and now Ignacy, why did I pick those three movies? How, how did I come up with those? Uh, I believe it was, I hope it is from my blog when yes, I mentioned is. that I, yes, it was from my article about creating Robinson Crusoe and how I was, how I was convincing Vladach Kvatil that Robinson Crusoe is so hard because players should feel like uh, John McClane that they are struggling at bad winning. And yes. Vladach Kvatil said that I am moron and I am not director <laughs> but the game designer and I should get a grip and start designing game not making a movie. <laughs> But he was wrong. You should be a director too. <laughs> he was. He was so right. And without his help, Robinson would not be that good. So, kudos for him. But but it, I found it very interesting how you built on that idea from the Die Hard to help you with the game. That was that was really neat. I thought that was incredible. All right. So my last one: Sonic the Hedgehog, Battletoads, Lemmings. Lemmings uh, goes uh, as the first place. I really played a lot of this game and actually I have uh, even a prototype of a game that I designed many many years ago uh, that was inspired by Lemmings and uh, Sonic is not my time I, I, I didn't play video games when Sonic was popular and the other one which, what, was, what was? Battletoads Battletoads, I don't know this stuff too so only, only Lemmings but uh, I had this problem that um, when I was in high school I discovered role-playing games, paper, role, tabletop role-playing games, and I had this break from video games for many, many years, so uh, I didn't play many of great video games because I was playing tabletop uh, role-playing games. You're better off for it. Okay. And, and for my last one... Now, hold on. Can you answer my question first? No, I'm sorry. Uh, Lemmings, probably Sonic, and what was number three? Battletoads. Battletoads, yeah. It was it was Lemmings, great game, played it a lot. Uh Sonic the Hedgehog, he he just kept making video games mainstream. And then Battletoads, they're forgotten. They're not like turtles. They're they're forgotten. All right. So uh Lemmings, because it was one of the early first puzzle games that I really liked. By the way, I picked these three because they're all from ninety one. Um Sonic the Hedgehog. And I can I have, can have the tune of Sonic the Hedgehog going through my mind all the time. It's just very memorable music. And last is Battletoads. And Battletoads is not easily forgotten. Battletoads is considered one of the hardest games ever 
in video gaming. Whenever there's a list of what, what's the hardest arcade game or video game ever, Battletoads is always at the top of that list. Fun game, but hard as Robinson Crusoe. Maybe even harder. So this is not from my high school times. This is earlier, right? Battletoads. So it, well, I didn't, I didn't play it. Maybe it wasn't available in Poland. I don't know. I, I, I don't know this game. Lemmings, yes. Sonic, yes. Battletoads, never heard about this. Interesting. See, I never played it either. What was it on? Uh, the consoles. Which one? Was it all of them? Sega. I, I just I just found it Sega. I, uh, I remember the screen. Uh, Genesis. Genesis. I remember the box art from it, but for some odd reason, it popped in my mind. I, but I never played okay. it. Okay. And the last, thank goodness, for game question. Lincoln. Here we go. Free Wi-Fi, free breakfast, free airport shuttle. Ooh. Free Wi-Fi. No doubt. Uh, I am addicted. I mean, uh, I can see then a uh, few times when I was wi- without free Wi-Fi during my voyages, I was really, really feeling bad. So uh, maybe I should see some doctors <laughs> or some specialists. But I really, when I'm not connected with the world, I feel very bad. So this is my absolutely sure answer, uh, Wi-Fi. And then breakfast or shuttle? Ooh, this is a good question. <laughs> in Germany, I like breakfast, but no offense. But in America, I would think I would prefer free shuttle. No offense, but... <laughs> understand. Je- German, German, German breakfasts are amazing. Um, but in America, they were... Not, they were no breakfast, or they were very poor. So, free shuttle in America. <laughs> All right, for me, definitely uh, free Wi-Fi first. Again, you just get kind of addicted to it. And I don't understand, why is it that the high-end hotels makes you pay for those sort of things and the cheaper give you free Wi-Fi and free breakfast. But anyway, that's a scam in its own. So uh, free breakfast next because I just like to be able to get up and go down and get something to eat without having to worry about it and transportation last. Um, for me, it's going to be, of course, free Wi-Fi. That's always in my search criteria. It's always checked. Then free airport shuttle because I hate trying to figure out how to get over to the stupid hotel from where I'm at, unless it's way, way, way far away. And then breakfast, I can find something to eat anytime. So free breakfast. And usually, you know, anybody can heat anything up in a microwave, just like some of these hotels do when they give you the free breakfast. I will say if I'm traveling with my family, a five free breakfast goes to number one because (laughs) feeding five people is really expensive. Uh, so anyway, well, that concludes rank them. And we really do appreciate your answers, Ignacy. Um, and you know, they, they're always tailored to you. That's how it works. So here on the rolling dice and taking names, um, do me a favor. How would you say rolling dice and taking names in Polish? That's a good question because I wanted to ask, what does it mean? This taking names? Okay. Because I don't understand it. This some sort of phrase from English or it sort of is. There's a phrase, especially, I mean, maybe countrywide, but in the in our area, it's um, I'm kicking butt and taking names. And taking names is basically, you know, you're going out and you're 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 saying, okay, this is the person who who I I defeated, who who deserves to get their butt kicked. Um, so we took a play on that. I'm rolling the dice and I'm taking your name because I'm kicking your butt in a game. So that was kind of there were three titles we had for the show, and for some odd reason that one got on top. We don't know. We weren't as creative as oh I don't know paradise paradise and that kind of anyway, <laughs> um, you know, which is still a killer to him on his url um thing because you can't remember which goes first but we won't go there but that that's where taking names comes from it's a way to say i've recorded your name i kicked your butt 
I won the game. So it's from a it's from a popular phrase, and again, I don't know if it's local to this region or um, countrywide, but it's just and it's in, but usually replaced with another term. But since we're a family show, we can't say it here. Rolling dice would be rzucanie kośćmi, and taking names, I would translate it into something like rzucam ci wyzwanie. So rzucanie kośćmi i rzucam ci wyzwanie. I think it's very hard for you. It will be, but I will replay this over and over. I'll snip it down, and we're going to have it down there. That's that's awesome. Thank you, Ignacy. Thank you. Thank you so much for taking time to come on the show. It, it has been it is so much fun to chit chat with you on on social media. Met you face to face last year. We just we just knocked it off. Have a great time. You and I, we're, all of us, are always kidding with each other, and it's great. It is so great to have a designer and the head of a publisher publishing company who is so accessible to gamers. I think that really helps the game. people like you and, and Bonacore. You can easily reach reach out to, and you'll respond to tweets. Um, that only doesn't help accessibility and shows how friendly this community is. I really think it helps your company too. Cause like when you hear about a new portal game or new stronghold game, it's like, Ooh, I know those guys. I interact with them. What's their game about? So you're doing a lot for the community and we appreciate your accessibility like this. Thank you. I appreciate it for your kind words. I mean, as I always said, I'm a gamer. So I'm where gamers are because I want to talk with you yes, and have fun because I'm one of you. So thanks again, Ignacy. And, um, will you sign our games when we, meet you at BGGCon? I think it's possible, yeah. I, I like to draw a cows and um, pictures <laughs> and doodles and such stuff. So in case people don't know where you are, why don't you tell us where we can find you, your your Twitter, your your website, etc. Yeah, so the the easiest way is uh, portalgames.pl. This is our website. And from our website, you can be very easily uh, headed to our YouTube channel where we put a uh, video content. You can be and directed to our Facebook page where we post some funny photos and such stuff or to my Twitter where I am really active and I chat with players and have fun. So basically go to portalgames.pl and from this place start a journey to find me on different channels. And maybe not not all of your listeners know, but on our website we put a lot of content. I mean, maybe not that much content as Funded Fight Games, but basically... Every week we have a couple of couple of new updates with uh, articles, uh, artwork, etc. So portalgames.pl, visit us every single day and you will find interesting stuff. Fantastic. Again, thank you so much for your time and uh, we'll definitely have you back on again if you're wanting to come back on. I am. Thank you for having me and I'm always happy to come back. Well, Tony, it looks like it is going to be a fantastic year for Portal Games. So many good things coming out this year. It'd be even more fantastic for you to lease the second version for Robinson, but that's oh, okay. Mr. 2016. Mr. 2016. But, you know, hey, you're right. It's going to be a huge year um, with the, the Gen Con. I mean, there's going to be a mass run on his booth, especially after hearing about the getting the loot by throwing your dice around. I know that's not the name of it, but that's okay. We're going to rattle whatever. battle, grab the loot. Now let's, let's think about this. Let's see. Rattle battle, grab the loot. Yep. R B G D L. That is a long name. That is a long name, but so there's an acronym you're going to, people are going to start to use on Twitter because you know, you'll take up half of your Twitter just by spelling out that name. So it's going to have to be just rattle battle or RB. Ooh, rattle battle is good. Rattle battle will work. So yeah, that, that's going to be a huge game for him. So hopefully that'll go well. 
forum at Gen Con. I know um, maybe both of us will be there. We'll see. I know you're there because you got the big family going, but that's great. And uh, so we know that there's this mystery faction that we still don't know about for Imperial Settlers, but it will be uh, coming out on May 11th. And in fact, off air, Tony and I have placed a little side bet. Oh, yes. We're wagering on who is right and who is wrong. And I, you know, I, I, I got confidence in myself just based on all the hints he dropped. He has so much confidence, everyone, that Tony has said, it's this and I'll give you the rest of the field. Basically, if if it's not this faction that Tony says, I win. I, I mean, that is a sucker's bet right there that I had to take. Yeah, all $5.45 at your local Bojangles. <laughs> <laughs> Because that's what the combo costs down in South Carolina. <laughs> and for Bojangles people, that is a chicken place, just to let you know. <laughs> Those roasted bites are going to be so good. Yeah, I'm gonna, yeah we'll see who, who's got that. We'll, we'll have to probably shoot a video of me handing you over $5.45 at Bo if I lose, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah, go ahead and clear your calendar on May 11th. Oh, yeah. Oh, crap, I'm out of town that week. No, I'm not. No, that's the next week. That's okay. So one last thing I would like to do is uh, previous episodes I've asked for people to, if they would take time and give us a iTunes review. And I just want to give a shout out to four people who have done that. Uh, We got iTunes reviews uh, from L-I-N-C-A-S-S, Lincas, Lincas, from J.J. Kuhn, from Max... Vigne, M-A-X-V-I-G-N-E, and Micah09564. So thank you so much for taking time to do that. And if anybody else would like to give us a good review on iTunes, we'll give you a shout out in uh, future episodes. And again, it just helps us uh, possibly bring more more ears and, and maybe get us, you know, not featured on iTunes, but it just helps the show. Oh, yeah. And um, by the way, I'm catching up to you on Instagram. I think I'm up to 135 followers versus your 3K or whatever you've got now. It's our 3K. Okay. So we're trying to get over there, trying to get some more Instagram followers. So if you got that, you'll trust me, you won't see as many Instagrams from me as you see tweets from Marty. You'll see Tony working out in the workshop, which tends to be his latest thing he likes to do on Instagram now. Well, well, I mean, it's just kind of interesting that, you know, you... Hey, helping the game accessories. That's what, that's one of the things we do here. We provide a service. You provide a service. I, I need to, I don't have the talent that you do to work with the wood. Please. You can, you can write theme songs for people. And even done it for our own show. What are you talking about? Oh, and one last thing over at the BGG Guild for us. Have you seen, I mean, two solid pages of theme songs. Come on, people get some more theme songs in there. I'm loving the winner takes it all. Was that an ABBA song? That was awesome. Uh, yes, it was. And I, and I was kicking myself for not using that. That would have been Perfect. I wish I'd have thought of that one. We've got a lot of great threads going on over there. We have that one. Uh, we have the 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 mechanic that turns you off the most when you see it in a game. And both of ours are kind of bubbling to the top as, as a lot of people don't like social deduction, which Tony doesn't like. And a lot of people aren't crazy about push your luck, which is I'm not a big fan of. So a lot of great activity going on on the guild. And it's fun talking with everybody. So if you haven't joined up, join up over there and we'll chit chat for a little bit. With that being said, it's time to get out of here. So if y'all would keep rolling dice and taking names. Follow us on Twitter at Dice and Names. Visit our website, RollDiceTakeNames.com. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, Roll Dice Take Names. Visit our guild on BGG. Like us on Facebook. Thanks, y'all. 
check, 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 check. Chevy check. What, what did he say? Exactly. <laughs> Chevy check. You now see Chevy check. Don't forget the T. <laughs> Is it T or Ch? It's T, right? Or T. Chevy check. Chevy check. See, now I'm messing it up. Yeah. The Chevy check. Whatever. No, it's not whatever. It needs to be. To Chevy check. To Chevy check. To Chevy check. To Chevy check. I like this. Chevy check. Chevy check. Chevy check. Chevy check. Chevy check. Okay, let's go. (laughs) 